Hello, everybody. Welcome once again as we continue on in the study that we're doing right now through the New Testament. We've uh, taken on the challenge of working through the Bible together a chapter at a time. We started with the New Testament because that was the first five-year chunk, and then we have the 15-year chunk that follows that through the Old Testament. So you have your Wednesday's plan for the next, um, well, we're three years in now, 17 years. Uh, And then we'll start it all over again, and we'll probably have learned some things. 17 years from now, we'll probably be different. You ever think about what things like might be like 17 years from now? Think about how much they've changed in the last 17 years and then try and, and know that they're changing even faster than that. Um, 17 years from now, I'll probably just be a hologram and I'll be able to do this safely from my house. <laughs> and it'll all be electronic. There'll be just a picture here of me. A 3D image like on Star Trek. That would be different, wouldn't it? Especially if all of you were also the same, then... I think we would, we would probably miss some fellowship at that point. Um, so I don't know what it holds, but anyway, that's where we're headed, and, and uh, we're certainly making progress. We have together looked through uh, all the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we've looked through the book of Acts together, and now we've been going through the letters that Paul wrote. Um, we sprung out of the missionary journeys, and we're looking at all the letters that Paul wrote, and we're taking them in the order we believe he wrote them. Uh, and the, the letters were written back to the churches that he had planted and started and they had a lot of problems and so each of the letters that Paul writes really are are almost always dealing with specific problems that one of the early church was having Um, you have to kind of remember that as you read through those letters because it makes a big difference as far as context what the letters mean we have a tendency to take a verse here and a verse there and a verse here and a verse there and sort of get them to sort of uh, work along with what we would like them to work along with. But the reality is the, uh, the letters of Paul were written in, in response to specific situations and instances that were happening in the early church a couple thousand years ago. They're still applicable today to the church and um, what he wrote under the unction of the Holy Spirit obviously has far-reaching meaning, but you always have to examine scripture in context or else uh, you, you can end up with all sorts of things that you shouldn't. And so by studying it this way, hopefully you you get a better picture of the things that were being written. And when you see someone talking about a specific verse, um, that if you can think about it in context, a lot of times you go, "Mm, I'm not sure that's the right context for that verse. Um, And and then you can uh, hopefully weigh out how um, truthful what's being said is. And really, that's a good segue. I didn't even plan that into what we're going to talk about today in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Because what Paul is dealing with, what he's been dealing with, and what he continues to deal with in this chapter, is that a group of false teachers had shown up at the church in Corinth, and because um, Paul had been had had to leave, and these false teachers um, said that they were some sort of super apostles who had been sent by the church in Jerusalem, and we don't believe that they were sent by the church in Jerusalem. We think they just gave them that credit, uh, themselves that credit. And they were um, coming in behind Paul and all the work that he'd done, and they were trying to change up the gospel a little bit. And um, it was causing huge problems throughout. And I say that to say this, because today it's still something happens. There's still a lot of false teachers out there. And some of them are very smooth in, their, uh, in the way they present things, and it sounds really good, and it's, oh yeah, that sounds really good. But um, it's often at the expense of taking things out of context, and then um, we are often just uh, sort of taken by it, and we, we gravitate towards it when really we 
We shouldn't. And we need to be aware of what's happening. Everything that you hear that someone brings to you, you should check against the Bible. That's how you know whether or not it's true. You always should check it. The Bible should always be your ultimate and final source. And it should be out of verses that are held together in context. Um, anytime you get some really kind of wild teaching that takes a verse here and a verse there and a verse here and a verse there and it might sound really good when you put all the verses together but if it drops out of context it's usually an issue so you need to be aware of that so here we have um, all the stuff we've been leading up to the Corinthians um, remember it's a brand new church and they don't have a church background whatsoever the, the people in Corinth and they'd come out of a really wild sort of setting and yet they were um, amazingly gifted by the Lord um, and uh, they, they flowed mightily in the gifts and because of that, we've talked about this, and because of that they had um, developed a spiritual pride that they shouldn't have developed and because they were gifted they thought they were far more mature than they were but in, in effect and in reality they were very immature in the way that they came at situations in the church and that's what Paul is having to address. And um, they were attracted to apparently the strong leader type and these false uh, teachers who had come along were apparently very well trained speakers they were really good at it trained in the best schools and when they spoke um, they were very eloquent and very moving and very strong uh, in, the, in the way that they presented things. Um, they had come in there to Corinthian, uh, the Corinthian church and they had claimed the right of support. Uh, and so they were insisting that as they spoke that these people were to give them money and offerings in the process. And uh, the Corinthians seem to have this idea, but it still happens today, that um, something is really good if it costs a lot of money. And if something doesn't cost a lot of money, it must not be any good. Do you know that we tend to do that? So if something's really good, it should be really expensive. And if something's, and, and often that's not the case. And it wasn't the case with Paul. Because at some level they were inferring from that because Paul refused to take support from the Corinthian church. That because he wasn't taking any support, he must have been some sort of amateur or something, not compared to these super apostles that had shown up. And so maybe they shouldn't listen to the things that uh, he had said to them. But what we see from Paul and what Paul's been living out before us in all of these chapters is what a true Christian leader really is. And what Paul demonstrated them first, and he'll talk about that in these verses, was his deep concern for the church itself, for the Corinthian church, um, and in, to make sure that he stayed separate from these uh, false teachers who were demanding this money. He had never taken any money from the Corinthian church. And um, he also is going to list for us, and he, he says he feels very uncomfortable doing it, all of the things that he's endured in order to preach and proclaim the gospel to not only the church in Corinth, but to the other churches that he started. And it's a pretty, um, it's a pretty amazing list that we're going to look through. And his claim is that, that none of these false apostles would ever do anything like that. In effect, what they were after was the money, and that was all they were after. They didn't care about people. Um, all they cared about was saying whatever they needed to say to get those people to give them money in the process. And unfortunately, that stuff still goes on to this day. And a lot of people get taken in by um, people who are very eloquent and very persuasive in the way that they speak, but don't care about them at all. And, and Paul said, look, that's not what it looks like. And he demonstrated for them that he cared about them, that was his main concern, was he cared about them and that he endured a lot of difficult things in order to demonstrate the level of his caring for the church there 
in Corinth. And so, see, ministry, because we're all called to ministry, ministry to others isn't just a matter of sharing our knowledge of the word. It's a matter of sharing ourselves. See, it's about sharing our lives. It's about sharing who we really are. It's about trying to live like we talk about doing the next right thing and, and not wearing masks and pretense and acting like we have it all together when we don't. It's, it's about people who are loving God the best that we can and every day, you know, wanting to have a better day um, but still messing up and, and yet knowing that God loves us and pushing forward and um, trying to uh, love people well enough out of that that they're intrigued enough to find out what it's all about and in hopes that they would come. So, um, you know, ministry is, is, is way more of, uh, about loving people well, um, of, of caring about others, of being willing to sacrifice on behalf of others um, uh, than it is by, you know, how eloquent you might be able to present what you have to say. Far more important. That's why I tell you all the time that the, all of you are capable of the ministry that we're called to of encouragement in particular because it just means getting outside yourself and caring about others and that your life in that way will will proclaim the gospel um, in in huge ways so that when you follow up with the words that you have they don't have to be that eloquent they just have to get people you know to get what it's all about so um, let's read Second Corinthians 11. Um, there's 33 verses there. I'll read them to you, and uh, you can follow along in your Bibles or in the bulletins if you want. Uh, I'll be reading out of the NIV. Second Corinthians 11, verse 1. I hope you will put up with a little of my foolishness, but you're already doing that. I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promised you to one husband, to Christ, so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. But I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily enough. But I do not think I am in the least inferior to those super apostles. I may not be a trained speaker, but I do have knowledge. We have made this perfectly clear to you in every way. Was it a sin for me to lower myself in order to elevate you by preaching the gospel of God to you free of charge? I robbed other churches by receiving support from them so as to serve you. And when I was with you and needed something, I was not a burden to anyone, for the brothers who came from Macedonia supplied what I needed. I have kept myself from being a burden to you in any way and will continue to do so. As surely of the, as the truth of Christ is in me, nobody in the regions of Achaia will stop this boasting of mine. Why? Because I do not love you? God knows I do. And I will keep on doing what I am doing in order to cut the ground from under those who want an opportunity to be considered equal with us in the things they boast about. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then if his servants masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will be what their actions deserve. I repeat, let no one take me for a fool. But if you do, then receive me just as you would a fool so that I may do a little boasting. In this self-confident boasting, I'm not talking as the Lord would, but as a fool. Since many are boasting in the way the world does, I too will boast. You gladly put up with fools since you're so wise. 
In fact, you even put up with anyone who enslaves you or exploits you or takes advantage of you or pushes himself forward or slaps you in the face. To my shame, I admit that we were too weak for that. What anyone else dares to boast about, I am speaking as a fool, I also dare to boast about. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Beside everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches." That is a tough way to get people to go out in the mission field with you. (laughs) Come along with me on my next journey, Paul says. Get shipwrecked. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, who is to be praised forever, knows that I am not lying. In Damascus... The governor under King Aretas had the city of the Damascenes guarded in order to arrest me. But I was lowered in a basket from a window in the wall and slipped through his hands. Blessed be the word of the Lord. Fascinating chapter. Now in context, just get what's going on. So here's these false apostles who claim to be super apostles who have swayed the church in Corinth where Paul has labored um, in, in amazing ways. And, and uh, Paul was no slouch in his presentation. He just wasn't the skilled, apparently, order that these false guys were. Um, but he, see, he, he spoke very persuasively because he started that church. A lot of people had come to Christ because of his ministry and he operated under the unction and the power of the Holy Spirit. But now that he's gone on to the next spot, um, these other guys have come in who have claimed to be equal or superior to Paul. They're demanding that the church give them money and the, they're listening um, because, well, they're not very mature for one thing and uh, these guys, well, they seem to be saying stuff and they kind of like what they're saying and they're also, um, they're demanding this, this money from the church and so the church thinks, well, they really must be something then if, uh, if this is what they're after. But uh, there in the first four verses, Paul um, begins dealing with the issue. And, you know, Paul was, um, uh, if he wasn't that great a speaker, I mean, I never heard him speak, so I don't know. But uh, apparently that's what they were saying. But he was a brilliant thinker. I mean, you've got to get that, the, the connection that Paul made for us uh, in the New Testament from events in the Old Testament, how he put them out there, are, I mean, the work of a, I mean, uh, certainly anointed and under the unction of the Spirit, but he was a brilliant guy and uh, a brilliant thinker and, and knew Scripture and had spent years 
um, getting all this worked out after the, the time that, that Christ had come to him uh, there on the road to Damascus. And then, um, you know, Paul had initially, remember, talk, we had a, he had a couple of year sort of ministry there in Jerusalem. And then he was so good at it, it got so hot, the church said, you got to go. And, uh, and then we don't really hear from him for about 10 years. And, uh, you know, we don't know what he was doing, but my guess is he was pouring through the scriptures and getting ready. I'm sure he was doing the ministry wherever he was. And then Barnabas went and got him. Remember for the work in Antioch and from there that took off and then they started on these journeys. So, so Paul's a brilliant, brilliant guy um, and he has loved these people in Corinth so well uh, as he did in all the churches. You know, all the, when you see, remember in the journeys he would, as he would leave, the, the people would weep because he was leaving them because they knew how much he loved them. You know, like a father loves his kids. And so um, he's demonstrated his willingness to go out of his way for, for these people in the church. And yet, sometimes, you know, someone is gone and all of a sudden people get all stirred up and they're not very mature and they get swayed by these false prophets. And, and so, you know, like I said before, there's a lot of false teachers out there today, a lot of them. And they, they, uh, people seem to flock to them and they they often charge high dollars for you know to hear the latest thing and the greatest formula and the next thing that's going to you know and and uh, you got to be very careful like I said always take all that stuff against the Bible see what it says see what the Bible really says and uh, so you make sure you don't get led astray but uh, Paul goes on and he starts already talking early there in those first four verses. Look, I'm going to have to tell you some stuff. I feel foolish doing it because he feels like he's building himself up. But he, he needs to let them see the comparison um, between his ministry and what these false apostles are doing. And he doesn't like to do it. You know, really, um, you, you shouldn't... He, he does it. It's important here. But in our own lives, you know, sometimes we, um, we want to compare ourselves to other people just to sort of get a feel for how we're doing. You ever, you ever try that? And the problem with that is, um, you, one of two things always happens. Either compare yourself against somebody that's not doing good, and so you feel better about yourself, or you compare yourself about somebody that's doing really good, and then you feel bad about yourself, right? And, and so it's a, it's a, it's a lose-lose situation. Here's, here's the, if you want to make a comparison, well, one of them, you can always compare yourself to Jesus, but that's tough too, because um, he wins that. But I, I think this... Best thing you can do is, is compare yourself today against yesterday, yourself. Uh, how'd you do against how you did yesterday? That's a pretty good comparison, right? That's, and I think that's reasonable and fair. Um, stick to that. But um, Paul has to, and he's apologizing for it over and over again. And, and he goes on in verses 5 through 23, and he says, look, um, even though they sound good, what they're in effect teaching are the lies of the evil one. And Paul had presented everywhere he went the gospel in a very simple and clear way that changed people's lives. Um, but, but sometimes people mistook Paul's simple presentations thinking that he might be simple-minded, which was far from the truth. And, and so his speaking performance was being used by him against these false teachers. And, and yet the reality is that content is far more important than presentation. A simple, clear presentation of the truth of the gospel is of greater value to people than anything else. That's why you've also heard me say this to you. All people really need to hear from you is your story about 
what God has done in your life, what he continues to do, and what you hope he's going to do, and why you hang on to him. But, but that's it. See, that's if some people go, well, I can't, you know, I can't, I can't do this stuff. Yeah, you, just tell him what he's done for you. Your story is powerful, especially in today's age. And then oh, you can tell them that how, how it was Jesus who, who did that. So God's word ultimately stands on its own merit when we get to it. And it, it doesn't need, you know, imperfect human beings to create its own hearing. Um, it's just the speaking of the simple gospel, as you know it, through your story, has plenty of room to make an impact in people's lives. Um, and again, the Corinthians also thought that how good a speaker was had a lot to do with how much money they demanded. The better the speaker, the more money they demanded. I'm, I'm often fascinated by this, too. Um, have you ever seen what some of these people charge for speeches and how much they get paid because they're famous? Sometimes they get, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to show up and talk for an hour. And I always think, nah. Can you imagine? I, I, 50,000 or 100? I just can't. It's crazy. But, um, but people go, oh, look, they demand it. So they must be really good. Some of the best speakers are, are uh, freebies. Um, and Paul, like I said, he hadn't asked for money. Um, from the Corinthians because he thought it would be misunderstood by them and link him with these false teachers. He didn't want to do that. And so, uh, you know, Paul, we know throughout the scripture, often uh, tent, made tents and took care of himself or the other churches. He was saying one of the, and he used one of the poorer churches that actually been supporting them why he was preaching and, and taking care of the church in Corinthians, which shouldn't have been. And, uh, and like I said, he felt foolish talking about that, but he was making sure that um, the things that he'd done, he hoped, would silence um, the, uh, the false prophets and would keep the Corinthians from falling under their, their spell and turning away from the true gospel into the false gospel that was being preached. And then in those last 10 verses, uh, 23 to 33, 11 verses, he goes on and he talks about all that he had been through in his efforts to preach the good news to people all over the world. And I, again, what a list. Um, shipwrecks, beatings, dangers, hunger, and the stress of daily concerns for the young church. And at the end there, he even says, and at one point, um, in order to escape, he was lowered in a basket out of a window down a wall. And he adds that. He kind of tags it onto the story. Like, and he, I think he's just saying, these, these guys that you're paying big bucks to to talk in front of you, not single one of them would take a beating for you, would hop in a basket for you and get lowered down a wall, would get on a ship that was going to get shipwrecked for you, would go through the night being, you know, hungry and tired and cold. Not one of them would do that for you. But he said, I did it because I love you. That was the whole point of all that. And he, he, didn't, he didn't even like having to say it, but he wanted to make sure they made the connection to the truth of what was happening in that letter. Paul was concerned for the people the false teachers were concerned for themselves. Paul was sacrificing his life for the good news, which was something the false teachers would never do. And so, you know, sometimes the things that we go through and the difficulties we go through that we experience for his sake um, ultimately build character and they demonstrate our faith and they prepare us for what lies ahead in our journey. And so we kind of take that away from 2 Corinthians 11, but we'll stop there for... Today, if you're watching on television or on video, thank you so much for spending your valuable time with us. We appreciate it. We know how important uh, and valuable your time is, and we look forward to seeing you again. Come visit us sometime, or if you're uh, at a distance, go to our website and check us out. If you need a prayer or something, email us, 
and uh, we will we will get you on our prayer list. But thanks for watching. We're going to end there today.